Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 8, this is what it says. It says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. How many of you want to see God? Amen. I don't know about you, uh, but I want to see the Lord. I want to experience His glory. I want to experience His goodness in every area of my life. The verse previous before this that we talked about last week was, God blesses those who are merciful, uh, for they will be shown mercy. We talked about uh, that the mercy that God calls us to as believers is not uh, based just solely on our outward actions or our statements or the words that we use, but really it's based upon the truth. It's based upon the reality of what's in our hearts. God is not interested on the surface of how we conduct ourselves and the surface of how we act or the surface of how we, how we respond just in, our, just in our outward attitude and actions. He's looking for something much deeper. He's looking for our hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God is wanting to get to the core of who we are. All of the Beatitudes leading up to this moment have positioned us and prepared us for the transformation that God is wanting to take us to as his people, because this one is the one that changes everything. When we see God, everything changes. When we see God, everything changes. When you encounter the Lord, when you see Jesus, everything in your life changes. You are never the same. Think about all of those in the Old Testament who saw the Lord, who actually saw God, who were called friends of God, who experienced fellowship with God. Their lives were never the same because they were marked by having seen the glory and the goodness of God in a way that others had not. The Lord makes it clear in this point. Jesus makes it clear in this statement. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If our heart isn't right, will miss the revelation of who He is in our lives. I don't want to miss Jesus. I don't want to miss the blessing. I don't want to miss the benefit. I don't want to miss the goodness of the Lord. I don't want to miss getting to see and getting to encounter the goodness of God, missing out on the presence and the glory of God. I want to experience His presence every single day. I don't want to have to wait till Sunday. I don't want to have to wait till Wednesday. I don't want to have to wait till the next great revival or the next great conference. I want to wake up in the morning and experience His glory and His goodness. I want to go throughout the day experiencing His glory and his goodness. When I lay my head down on the pillow, I want to be surrounded by his glory and his goodness, by his tangible presence. We don't need more talk. We need more of Jesus. We don't need more opinions. We need more of Jesus. We don't need more of our preferences. We need more of Jesus. We need his tangible presence in our lives because when Jesus steps into the middle of our lives, when Jesus steps into the middle of this world, everything changes. God changes changes everything. But we cannot, we cannot experience the presence of God. We cannot experience the glory of God if our hearts are not pure. It's not just about the outside being clean. 
It's not just about my words and my actions and my attitudes and my response. It's about my heart. Where is my heart and what God has called? Where is my heart and what God has established? Where is my heart and what God has purposed and what God has placed for me? Because if my, my heart is off, I cannot experience, I cannot enter into the glory and the presence and the goodness of God. I love this. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 7, the Lord says to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the things, see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. Listen to me. It is why it is so important for us as believers to, one, have our hearts pure, and two, to not judge people based on the outward or exterior appearance, but based on the revelation and the discernment of the Holy Spirit, because only God knows the heart. Only God knows the heart. Proverbs, I love this, Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The heart is an incredible, incredible thing. We know it's we know it's important aspect in the physical body, but God's not talking about this physical organ. He's using it as a representation of who we are at the core of our being. The heart is the central place of all of the blood flow in our body. It's what keeps us alive. It's why a heart attack is so detrimental. There are other organs that can suffer injuries and setbacks, but the heart cannot afford such injuries and setbacks. Because to a certain degree, if it is of a certain, if it's of a certain level of impact or injury, then if we're not careful, we can lose the ability to continue living. God's talking about our heart and the sense of our spiritual heart, the one in which our will, our emotions, our reactions, our responses all drive what we do. Because ultimately, our heart is what determines, our heart is what sets the course of our life. Because our heart affects the way that we speak. I love this. Luke chapter 6, verse number 45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. God puts it, Jesus puts it this way. I love it in the, I love it in the New King James Version or the King James Version. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What my heart is, where my heart is at, is what I will lead out of and what I will do. I cannot produce good fruit if I'm rotten at the core. I cannot experience the blessings and the benefits and the purposes of what God has established for me if my heart has not been purified by the Holy Spirit, if my heart has not been prepared. How can I have a pure heart? How can I experience the blessing of seeing God, of experiencing His glory and His presence in my life? Number one, I have to examine and evaluate. Tell your neighbor, examine and evaluate. I have to examine and evaluate. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse number 9 says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? He goes on in the next few verses to say, I the Lord know. See, when we walk into it, when we step into a relationship with the Lord, when we step into fellowship with Him, the Holy Spirit begins in that process immediately bringing about conviction, reproving, improving, transforming our lives and who we are. God begins to evaluate. God 
begins to examine not just what we see and what others see, but what he knows is really there. What the divine and, and the driven motive and the attitudes and the direction of our lives as believers in order to walk in the purity that God has called us to and experience the blessing of seeing God, we have to continually examine and evaluate. We don't ever arrive. Tell your neighbor, you're not perfect. Tell him. Preach at him this morning. You're not perfect. And tell your neighbor again, I'm not perfect. No one in this room is perfect. No one has it all together. I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus. I don't care how long your prayer time with God was this morning or yesterday. I don't care how many times you fasted, how much money you've given, how many sacrifices you've made, whether you've been a missionary from the moment that you said yes to Jesus or not. It does not matter. It does not change the fact that what God calls us to as his children, as his people, is to constantly position ourselves for the Holy Spirit to lead us to the examination and the evaluation process of our hearts because our hearts are on the gateway and the direction setting force of our lives. And if we are not careful when we experience hurt, when we experience pain, when we experience setback, when we experience difficulty, if we take that to heart and never allow the Holy Spirit to examine and evaluate, we will begin to carry things that cause damage and that begin to affect us in a way that we are blindsided to in the natural. Supernaturally, we will begin walking away from the ways of the Lord, from the word of the Lord, from the sense and the discernment and the direction of the Holy Spirit because we've allowed what others have said, what others have done, what we have said, what we have done to ultimately become the determining force, the determining factor of our lives. When we examine and evaluate, we position ourselves to experience the revelation of the Holy Spirit, the inside of God that keeps us from leaning into what we feel and the feelings and the motives of our heart. We've heard the saying said time and time again, follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. It's bad advice. Tell your neighbor, don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Don't follow your heart. You know why, you know why we're in the mess that we're in right now? Because everybody keeps following their heart. We got the hot mess that we have in the church. We've got the hot mess that we have in the world because everybody's following their heart. Because everybody's making their own version of who Jesus is and what Jesus says. There's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one God. There's only one word. And there's no other version that you or I can create that will define who he is. And if we keep following our hearts, we're going to follow our hearts right into hell. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Friends, hear me this morning. I say this to the most advanced of those who walk with Jesus and are advanced in the calling and in the walk and in the revelation of God in your life. Never stop examining and evaluating your heart. Because if you are not careful, you will confuse your heart for the Holy Spirit and will, you will be convinced that the way and the direction and the steps and the reactions and the motives of your heart are pure and are genuine and you are in fact following your feelings and not the Holy Spirit. Amen. And you will rob yourself and those that God has called you to impact and reach for the kingdom of God of the blessing and the benefit of what God has established. We cannot see and experience the glory and the goodness of God if we are not willing to examine and evaluate our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to expose the motives, the intentions, the pain, the things that need healing, the things that need restoration, the things that need change from what God has said and the revelation of who He is in our life. Luke chapter 6, verse number 45, Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. 
Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23, Jesus then added, It is what comes from the inside that defiles you, for from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Jesus was teaching to the, he was teaching to the Pharisees who were frustrated that the disciples weren't following the customs and the practices of the day. And their customs and their practices, the thing that they were upset about is that the disciples hadn't ceremonially washed their hands before they'd begin to eat. That would offend my family as well. Amen. Wash your hands before you eat. It's important to wash your hands. We talk about it from a hygienic state. Then it was a religious, it was a religious state. And it's still practiced to this day. When the washing of hands was meant, the symbolism of that was meant to, to bring about the fulfillment of what God's word says, that we have clean hands, but he doesn't stop there, and a pure heart. God's not just interested that the exterior be clean. He's interested that the innermost part of who we are is purified, that the innermost part of who we are is cleansed before him. It does you and I no good if our hands are clean and our hearts a filthy mess. It does you and I no good if we do all of the things on the outside that everyone says defines who a believer, who a Christian, who a follower of Jesus is, but yet at the core of who we are, we have not submitted ourselves to the evaluation and the examination of what God has told us, and our hearts are hardened, our hearts are bitter, our hearts are full of all of the things of this world instead of the transformation of what Jesus has made possible for us. Jesus died on the cross so that we would be free from sin. And he didn't just die on the cross so that we would be free from sin in the sense of it's our responsibility to do everything that we possibly can on our own to do that. No, he sent his spirit, and because of his grace, he has given us the power to overcome sin and to walk in the freedom and to walk in the, in the purity that God has established for us so that we might have fellowship with God, so that we might experience his glory, his goodness, and his presence. Secondly, if I'm going to have a pure heart, I have to eradicate and employ. I've got to get rid of the things that have compromised the purity of my heart. I've got to, I've got to eradicate. I've got to, I've got to exterminate. I've got to remove those things. When the Holy Spirit brings to our attention something that's out of alignment with His Word and what He has called us to, if we do not respond... If we do not respond with immediate obedience to the revelation of what God has established for us, we will not only continue in the course that we are on, but we will miss further evaluations and examinations of the Holy Spirit. When we take action and we remove the things that are out of alignment with God's word, we position ourselves to see God in ways like never before. Because God calls us to be holy as he is holy. How do I be holy as he is holy? By listening to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and taking action on the things that he calls me to take action on. To remove from my life the things that drive or the things that determine the course of my life that cause my heart to go off course, out of the plans, out of the directions, out of the steps of what God has established and of what God has purposed for me. How do I eradicate and employ a pure heart before God? How do I walk in those revelations and those insights of what God's established? Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. 
Not only do I position myself before the Holy Spirit, but I position myself before the Word of God, and I allow the Holy Spirit, and I allow the Lord to begin to work, and I allow the Lord to begin to move in my life. We're on the one-year Bible reading journey together. We're spending time in the Word of God every single day. Why? Because when I open myself up to the nourishment of heaven, when I open myself up to the Word of God, I position myself to receive revelation and receive insight about the transformation, about the change, about the direction, about the difference that God is calling, that God is establishing, that God is wanting to make in my life. I begin to eradicate sin and I begin to employ the principles of the Word of God. I begin no longer walking in hatred and jealousy and anger and bitterness and resentment and sexual immorality and sin. I begin walking in obedience to what God has called me to, implementing His Word and His principles in my life. I begin following the precepts that he's established. I began following the things that he has revealed. And as the word of God is planted in my life, there's a shift that begins to change because what is on the inside, what's being fed to my heart is not the bitterness and the resentment and the pain and the offense and the hatred of this world, but it's the word of God which brings life. The Word of God begins to transform the way that I feel, the way that I think, the way that I respond. The Word of God begins to affect the way that I act and the way that I react to the temptations, to the struggles, to the challenges of the enemy, to the storms, to the difficulties, to the trials of life. No longer is it my heart that's leading me. It's the Holy Spirit that's leading my heart. And I'm walking in the Word and the revelation and the precepts of what God has established. I love this. And in, in Psalm 119, the psalmist says it best. He declares, he declares, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When I'm reading the word of God, it's not just to check off the box that I read the word today, but it's to position myself to eat the bread of life, to eat from the word of God, to eat the revelation that God has for me, not for my physical consumption, but for the heart transformation and the revelation of what God has established for me, of what God has established for my life. How do I eradicate and employ what the Word of God says? Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments everything. Why? Because if I don't love God with all of my heart, do you notice that's what he starts with? Love the Lord your God. He doesn't say love the Lord your God with all your soul. He doesn't say love the Lord your God with all of your mind and then your heart. He starts off at the very beginning, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Why? Because the heart is what guides, the heart is what directs, the heart is what determines the steps in the course of our life. If my heart is not fixed on Jesus... If my heart is not fixed on Jesus, then it's fixed on myself. If my heart is not fixed on the Lord, then my heart is fixed on the things of this world. And what happens is, is that while initially it may not be that big of a deal, in the terms of what we would define as being a big deal or what the world would define as being a big deal, the reality is, is it's the little by little, the gradual effect that it has on our life when God is not number one. It's why the first commandment in the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses at Mount Sinai was, was number one, to 
love God, to have no other gods before him, for him to be first, to love him. And he followed it up with an even clearer definition of just how much he wants us to prioritize him. Jesus, in teaching us how to pray and in talking about not worrying in our lives, he gives us the revelation in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all, tell your neighbor, all. Everything you need in your life, God will give you. If he's first, we, we get frustrated. We get frustrated when we don't feel like God is meeting the need when God is doing. But if we take in the time to allow the Holy Spirit to examine and evaluate, is God first? Is he really first? Do I really trust him? Do I really believe him? Do I really follow him? It's not just what we say when we gather in this place on Sunday mornings, but it's what we do throughout the week. Is he really first? Am I examining the things that I'm feeling in my heart before the Lord? Am I taking those pains and those hurts? Am I taking those things that I don't understand? Am I taking those desires and those wants to the feet of Jesus first? Or am I acting on how I feel and then wanting God to bless it later? What happens when I walk in obedience to what God has established and what God has purposed? I begin reading the Word of God and I begin implementing His Word in my life. I begin, I begin making the steps and taking the steps that are necessary to employ the Word of God in my life. As I begin to see a shift that begins to happen, a change that begins to take place, and it opens the floodgates of heaven and God begins working and moving in supernatural ways. Why? Because He's first in my life. It's not about me, it's not about the things of this world, it's not about what I can achieve on my own, but it's about the revelation and the inside of who he is, what he's established, and what he's purposed for me. What is love? 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love is. Patient, kind. Love, love at its definition is sacrificial. Love at its definition is sacrificial. There's not a parent in this room that has raised a child that does not understand what sacrificial love is. To love a child well requires sacrifice. You put your wants and desires, and at times, many times, your needs aside, to what? Love the child that God has entrusted to you. In marriage, what God calls us to is to love. The example that God gives us in the Word of God is that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and to lay down their lives. We, we, the, the definition of love is sacrifice. Jesus defined that in his death on the cross. It's sacrifice. It's crucifying my flesh, my wants, my desires, my preferences, my desires to being totally submitted to God and following his will and his direction for my life. Following Jesus. Walking in the love. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Why? Because my heart affects my mind, my heart affects my soul, my heart affects every aspect of my life. And when I'm loving the Lord first, His love transforms me. His love takes me from glory to glory. God increases His goodness. God increases His presence. God increases His revelation and His insight in my life. God begins taking me on this journey, God begins taking me on the process of transformation, eradicating sin, eradicating 
eradicating the desires of my heart and employing the word of God is summed up in this verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Tell your neighbor, you don't know. Tell them, you don't know. Doesn't it make you mad when you don't know? Doesn't it make you mad? For all the planners in the room, I know it makes you mad when you don't know. Because I am one. I like to know. We like to know. We are are some of the nosiest people. And I can say that. I've lived in the South long enough that I, I are one. We are the nosiest people. We want to know. We want to know. And we have, we have subtle ways in the South of, knowing, of figuring out a way to know. How can I pray for you? We want to know, right? We want to depend on our own understanding. We want to we we evaluate the situations and the circumstances and the events and things that are happening in life, and then we want to draw our conclusions based on our experience or the experiences of others or what we have determined. But the Lord tells us, don't depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on, your under- don't depend on what you know. Don't act on what you know. Or really, it should be better to find what we think we know. Go to the source of everything, the author, the creator, the, the, the finisher, the one who directs our steps, the one who plans and the one who purposes. Go to Him. Go to the Lord. Trust in Him. What happens when I begin eradicating and employing what God has revealed in my life, what God has, through the examination process, through the evaluation process, has shown me needs to happen? When I begin to step into those things that God has called me to, when I begin to implement His Word and His plan and His promises in my life, what I'm doing in that moment is I'm trusting in the Lord with all of my heart. It's like when it comes to giving. I, I, don't, I don't tithe because, because that's what people have always done. I, I don't tithe because, uh, because that's what the, the, the perceived notion is of what's right as a believer, as the church. I tithe because I trust the Lord. I give 10% of what I get to Him because I trust Him. Because ultimately what that act is, is it's a matter of my heart. Do I trust God to be my provider? Do I trust God to prepare, to bless, to, to, to purpose, to fulfill His plan and His desires in my life? Because if I'm obedient to the Lord, if, and, and obedience is marked by a heart that's trusting God, I respond in obedience to what the Lord calls me to. I reap the blessings and the benefits of what God has for me. Abraham knew this well, oftentimes defined as the father of faith. He experiences again and again the promises and the blessings of God. And when he finally gets what God has promised, you know, we read that story so fast. You know, he believed and he waited and then boom, there God was and God gave him his son. And we get a big kick out of it because he was 100 and his wife was 90. Can you imagine? Congratulations, you're a father. I know your 100th birthday was last week, but you're a, you're a, newborn, you're a newborn daddy. Welcome to the club. What happened? He got, he got the fulfillment of what God had promised, what he had longed for, what he had hoped for, what he knew God had said. And God finally did it. And then one night, God wakes him up and tells him, go up on the mountain and sacrifice him. 
And this was no, this wasn't, you know, we, we read it knowing what the end of the story is. He didn't know. Abraham had no idea. But he heard what God said, and he got up early the next morning, and he set out. Now, that journey was a three-day journey. Now, there's a whole lot of really cool biblical significance to that because, you know, about what Jesus did on the cross and how the Lord raised him up. There's, there's a whole lot of really cool significance that's in that that I don't have time to go into today. But on this three-day journey, can you imagine? It's one thing for us to hear what God says and respond in immediate obedience and receive the immediate benefit. It's another thing for God to tell us in the middle of the night, this is what I told you to do. Wake up early the next morning and start the journey. And you're a day in and you're going, is that really what he said? Maybe that's not what he meant. You ever been there? Maybe that's not. <laughs> I've been there. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if that's really what he meant by that. He has three days, three days to get there. And every day he's having to remember. But when you look at his story, when you look at his account, his response was immediate obedience. And he walked in obedience to what God had established. He walked in obedience to what God had purposed for his life. And when he got on that mountain, he was convinced, even when his son asked him, where's the sacrifice? What was his response? The Lord will provide. He did not doubt for a moment that God would take care of it all. Why? Because he had responded in obedience again and again and again. He wasn't depending on his own understanding. He was trusting in the Lord. Because if at 100 years old he could have the promise of a, of a, of a son fulfilled in his life, then it didn't matter what waited for him at the top of that mountain. He was convinced that God could do it. The biggest thing that the enemy will fight you and I on is our trust in the Lord. Because if we won't trust God, we won't obey Him. And if we won't obey God, we won't see Him. Because only those who walk with a pure heart can see God. I want to see Him. I want to see Him. I don't want the desires, the motives, the intentions of my heart to rob me from experiencing what God has intended and what God has purposed for my life. Finally this morning, we have to enter in and enjoy what God has established, what God has purposed for our lives. We have to enter in and enjoy. He says, Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are them who are not perfect, not the ones that have it all together, not the ones that have it all figured out, the ones whose heart, their motives, what drives, what directs, and what, what instructs the moment-by-moment decisions of their life, not perfect, but pure. Blessed are, blessed are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. He, he goes on, he goes on, I love this in Psalm chapter 24, and he shares this, this powerful revelation, who may climb the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship you in your presence, O God of Jacob. Jesus gives us this profound, he gives us this profound warning, this profound revelation in our lives. He said there will be many on that day who will say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not heal the sick in your name? Did I not do all of these things in your name? And Jesus' response to them will be, away from me, I never knew you. 
when, we're, when, we, when we walk in this powerful revelation of what Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 8, when our hearts are pure before the Lord, we're able to see God. In Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 24, this powerful revelation, those who, will have, those who have clean hands and a pure heart, they will have a right relationship. Right relationship, right fellowship with the Lord. 